You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last time, we hope. Training camps are officially open to all teams as we record here on, what is it, Thursday the 28th. Every team has had been on the grass, if you will, with their full complement of vets and rookies. And of course, with the opening of camps, we have the obligatory opening press conferences, which are pretty boring for the most part. But a couple things that I did glean, or I'm sure a lot of people did after hearing some of these, First off, Bill Belichick speaking about Mac Jones, and you probably should have added some audio here to give it some context, but the bottom line is not so much what was said about Mac, but who said it and how much was said. Bill Belichick doesn't rave about any current players. Whenever you hear him rave, it's usually about LT in the heydays of the Giants, Jim Brown, you know, I mean, guys like that. He gave Tom Brady some of his flowers when they did the NFL 100, but only because they're sitting in the same room and there was a camera on them both and he had to say something nice. But he went on for about 10 minutes about Mac Jones, which was a big surprise. And I guess the other one was out of Oxnard, California, where Mike McCarthy first question out of the gate was about his job security and and Mike is kind of a surly dude man he's Northwest PA I, I understand you know and he kind of lashed out at the media you know what then what are you doing to ask me questions like this for then eventually Jerry Jones gets up there and the one phrase that really really got me was he said I had choices right and he chose Mike McCarthy. But he kept emphasizing that he had choices. So it's almost like a passive-aggressive thing. I mean, on one hand, okay, he's saying, I had all these choices, but I chose Mike. He's our guy. By the same token, you know, hey, it wasn't said, but Sean Payton's sitting out here. And if anything goes wrong, I know where I'm going. Anyway, so from the opening salvos, you know, that that was what I took from the opening pressers. But uh, it's just great to have real football guys on the field. Nobody's had pads on yet. You know, I think that'll start happening here over the weekend and into next week. But uh, we'll talk about some players that have a lot of pressure on them, coaches that have pressure on them, uh, some comings and goings. And uh, also, we'll get to this at the end, but uh, Shanahan and Lynch finally kind of make it be known whose team it is out there in San Francisco. So with that, I won't go on any longer. I have to take a break. Bring in my partner, Alex, here. Alex, these pressers, is it worth watching all 32 to to get those two little nuggets? In terms of... Mike McCarthy, I mean, we all know that if he gets off to a bad September, if he goes 0-4, that Dan Quinn is going to be promoted to head coach. I don't think Jerry Jones and the Cowboys are going to be wasting time, right? They do realize that they've lost some players, Amari Cooper, Randy Gregory, that this is still a good team compared to the rest of the teams in the NFC East. So Jerry Jones' expectations are really, really high every year for the Cowboys. We all know that Mike McCarthy is on the hot seat. That's not a surprise. But you have another coach on the staff that's been a head coach before, that's taken his team to the Super Bowl before. You know, the Falcons, he did take them to the Super Bowl. They almost won it if it wasn't for that collapse in the fourth quarter to the Patriots. 
So Dan Quinn is waiting in the wings. I think it's not out of the question that, you know, if the Cowboys get off to a bad start, Quinn is going to be promoted to head coach. And then here we go. You know, if it doesn't go well, then then Sean Payton is going to be the head coach of the Cowboys in, in 2023. Well, he did rave about the staff, Jerry, talking in his presser and how, you know, he assembled this great staff. And obviously he was up for some head jobs and out of the blue, he pulled his name out of the running with a couple of teams because Jones made him a pretty substantial offer. I mean, he's one of the you know highest paid assistants out there and he just went on and on about the guy. So really, I mean, just putting everything on McCarthy at this point for the most part just kind of okay we've given him everything it's his thing to go now they did go 12 and 5 last year the worst thing possible was and the last thing everybody remembers was famously the team trying to get assembled after you know no timeouts last drive clocks running down and they throw a ball in the middle of the field hoping that they would get down there spike it and get another play against the Niners and they lose a home playoff game and just in inexcusable fashion not that they were going to win it but at least they would have had a chance at the end zone. So anyway, that's the la- lasting memory. And yeah, you're right. I mean, Quinn's kind of lurking. Sean Payton is lurking. I mean, I don't think he's, you know, Sean Payton's goal was to be doing TV for the rest of his life. He'll do it. They're paying him a lot of money at Amazon, but he wants to coach. He's a coach. I don't think there's any secret to this. I mean, obviously, you know, if you believe the stories that he was in line to become the Dolphins' new coach. Tom Brady was going to be the the quarterback, part owner of the team, if you will. And then Flores drops the bomb and, you know, sues the team and everything. Everything kind of just stopped at that point. Brady comes back to Tampa Bay. Sean Payton rides off in the sunset and, you know, takes Amazon's money. And the Dolphins are sitting there holding the bag. The Belichick thing now. He just went on and raving about that. This is this is what kind of kills me is that I mean whether it was Brady, any of these great Hall of Fame players he's had, he's never really given anybody that much credit this early in their career and especially while they were playing. Typically it was just kind of mumble mumble mumble, yeah, Tom Tom's a great quarterback or whatever. He works really hard. He's a very smart guy. He puts in the time. You know, stuff like that, but he went on about Mac Jones for like 10 minutes. What do you make of that? Maybe Bill is changing? Maybe he's lightening up a little bit? How else would you explain it at this point? Maybe he has hit a certain age where he's just trying to change his ways a little bit. But it is kind of weird. I mean, he had one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history in Tom Brady, who has won, what, like six championships with him. He never gave him extra praise. He never, like, thanked him publicly to the media. It almost like in the end, it looked like they were, they didn't like each other too much. And I don't think they hid that fact. And now Mac Jones, second year pro, had a good rookie season. Obviously, the guy's smart. He's a good decision maker. You know, he's accurate in that system. And it's almost like Bill is pumping him up or something like that. I mean, trying to give him like some extra praise, maybe trying to give him some extra confidence heading into this season, letting him know, hey, you're the leader of this team now. Let's get it going. But it is a little bit weird. This is so unlike Bill Belichick that we've seen for, you know, for the last 30 years. This is not him at all. For him to give praise to a player, 
regardless of the position, especially at quarterback. It's just strange times, Lou. Strange times. Yeah. So psychology, you know, maybe he, you know, he's learned that Brady needed somebody to just kind of, you know, keep building the chip on his shoulder. Maybe he figured out that Mac needs a little bit more uh, public praise and that makes him work harder. Who knows? He's just an evil genius either way you look at it. But uh, we're talking about pressure, right? And famously, you know, the lines you've always heard in the past, you know, pressure makes diamonds and it also bursts pipes. So which way are these guys going to go? Speaking of hype, since the trade of Tyreek Hill to Miami, Tyreek's done everything to anything possible to pump up his quarterback, uh, whether it be to the media uh, his new podcast that he's constantly talking about where he makes a, a lot of explosive comments about his previous team, his previous quarterback versus his new quarterback and his new team, you know, which is great. I'm here for that. I mean, he's trying to get clicks. He's trying to get people to listen. I can relate. We can relate. Sure. We don't have, I guess, the gravitas to do stuff, but to say crazy stuff and people want to listen. But anyway, what do you make of this? I mean, Tyreek talking about the most accurate quarterback in the league and just constantly hyping him up at a point where it's so much that you have to question, you know, how sincere it is. The pressure is on Tua. Everything that the Dolphins did in the offseason has helped him. They surrounded him with weapons. They surrounded him with one of the best wide receivers in the game in Tyreek Hill. They brought in a new head coach, but a guy who knows offense he's a great offensive mind from everything you hear he's been with kyle shanahan for the last like 14 years they've been together so you know this system is really quarterback friendly every quarterback has had success in the past under this offensive system so if Tua can't succeed under mike mcdaniel in this scheme He's just going to be a lost puppy. You know, he's going to be gone after this year if he doesn't have a good enough season, if he doesn't put up good enough stats. They seem to have a better offensive line than they had last year. And remember, this team, after they went 1-7 and seven last year, they won, what, like seven straight games? They went 8-7 and seven after laying that egg. I think it was in Week 17 against the Titans when they couldn't do anything. I think they lost that game by like 100 points from what I remember. So I think the Dolphins were close last year. Now they bring in a guy that is supposed to help them on the offensive side of the ball, a guy that can develop quarterbacks, a guy that has a QB-friendly system. So you damn right, Tua should be feeling the pressure, and I'm sure he's going to be very hard on himself. I don't think Tua is the guy. I don't think he's going to make it work. I think he'll be good, but I don't think he's going to be good enough. For them to say that Tua is going to be our guy in 2023. The Dolphins should be scratching their head that they picked Tua over Justin Herbert. And that debate is going to go on for years. Because one guy is going to go into the Hall of Fame. The other guy is going to be like an average starter for the rest of his life. That's a tough pill to swallow. The pressure is on Tua. Can he do it? Can he make it work? I don't think so. I don't think he's that guy for this organization. I think the Dolphins are going to be looking for a new quarterback in 2023. Based on who you talk to, I don't know that there's much debate at this point, right? And and I don't know that it's going to, you know, get much better. Even if he if he raises to a certain level, when you look at what Justin Herbert has done, 
and just the physical presence and the, and and just you know how his teammates rally around him and, and just everything that he brings to the game is just almost superhuman. It's almost as if who was evaluating these guys, right? But as far as two is concerned, let's forget about the outside. Because again, Burrow and Herbert is always going to be in his ear. It's always going to be in the Dolphins' ear. We've got two potential Hall of Famers, right? Or the guys that are certainly started on on a Hall of Fame track so far in their career. And our guy who was picked in the middle of them we're wondering if he's really the guy at all. You know, he may even not even be on this team next year. So it started out with, you know, it was just he was always behind the eight ball. The injury at Alabama where they thought, geez, you know, is this guy going to play again? Well, okay, we're, we'll be able to fix things or whatever. But still, he, he got off to a rocky start. Then you had the whole thing with sharing time with Fitzpatrick. And, you know, Fitzmagic does his thing, man. Wherever he's going, he, you know, at a certain point, he is going to light things up. So it's like, oh, geez, we need this guy in there because, you know, we need to win some games. The He had a defensive head coach that probably wasn't 100% sold on him based on the pursuit of Deshaun Watson last year. You think about it, you know, how this kid, he's a first-round pick. He's always been like that guy until he got to the pros so his head has just got to be like jumbled and you mentioned it they get him an an offensive head coach skill positions I mean I don't want to say they're as good as any in the league they're not but it's pretty significant when you have Hill and Waddle Gasicki at tight end you've got running backs Edmonds Mostert they bring in Teron Armstead one of the best left tackles in the league from New Orleans through free agency and again you you mentioned Mike McDaniel what is he going to do this is going to be the interesting part and in how he deploys this offense we know that he's been known for running the ball and just the just the, the wide zone scheme and and so forth so you're not going to see two of running it but, you know, is there going to be much of a deep play action game? Are you going to see them using Hill much the way San Francisco deployed Debo with a lot of run sweeps? I mean, Tyreek, former running back, not as big as Debo. So you really can't do that too much. You don't want to get the guy beat up. I mean, he makes his money going downfield. But from what we've seen so far, that's not to his strength. So this is going to be pretty fascinating to see how McDaniel kind of lays this whole offense out. Are we going to see a lot of you know slants and bubble screens and so forth, which I'm assuming we are just because, I guess, allegedly as to his uh, arm talent, are they going to get deep shots? I mean, Waddle is a pretty fast dude, but last year I think he averaged about eight or nine yards a catch. Yeah, he had like a over 100 kicks, but everything was you know within five yards of the, the line of scrimmage. So where is this thing going? But bottom line here, is Miami making a diamond or is this pipe going to burst and how quickly will that happen? It's just, to me, that's just going to be very, very fascinating. I think you answered your own question, Lou. I mean, the fact is, Tua's strength is not the deep ball. The 49ers old system and now the Miami Dolphins new offensive system is going to be built on those short passes, the bubble screens, the slants. They're going to try to get those wide receivers in space, and it's all going to be 
about yards after the catch. And Waddle and Tyree Kill are really fast guys, so they're going to try to get him on those crossing routes, on those slants, on those bubble screens, so they can pick up yards, so they can make Tua's life a lot easier in the pocket behind them. And I think they don't have to get Tyree Kill involved on those sweeps. They can get Waddle involved on it. He's a fast guy. He's a younger guy. And I think you can mix it up as well. I think they're going to get creative. You're not going to see a lot of deep shots with Tua because I think this staff realizes what his strength is. It's within 10 yards. That's where the game is going to be won. They got a couple of really fast wide receivers, and they're going to use it to their advantage. They're going to use those running back screens to Mostert. And, you know, their offensive line is going to get out there. You know, they're going to pull. They're going to trap. They're going to get out in space. I think that's what we're going to see out here. It's just a lot of dinking and dunking, getting creative, same personnel out on the field, but then trying to, like, you know, get different guys involved. And I think that's the beauty of this offensive scheme. You get the same personnel out there, and you just don't know, like, which guy is going to get it. They're not just featuring one guy. They're not just featuring one wide receiver or one running back because, I mean, this system loves to use multiple backs. You don't know who's going to get the ball. I'm excited for the Miami Dolphins scheme. I think in the end, Tua is still going to choke against some of those bigger, tougher opponents. Well, I guess the theory is that eventually if they throw enough of those you know, short balls, defenses will start cheating up. And based on that, obviously the speed guys can get now get behind the the defensive backs because uh, one they're so concerned about the run, and two the short the shorter passes, and then you know that's supposed to open up the deep game again theoretically. But again, like you said, we'll see if Tua can make hay uh, and maybe again become that diamond that they've been looking for. Another quarterback in the news. Uh, previous show we talked about Kyler securing the bag, getting the bag getting his big money. And then eventually when contracts get signed, they get sent to the NFLPA. And it, and it's kind of, I don't know about public domain, but agents, reporters, anybody can you know get copies of the contract. Well, that happened. And lo and behold, after reading it, uh, was found that the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler in his contract decided they were going to put in an independent study clause right? So he had to agree in order to get his money to, I guess, do what typical quarterbacks do in their own time without being told to do it. But here it's in writing in his contract that he can actually forfeit money if they find him to not be doing at least four hours on his iPad and then also in writing without having other distractions, TV, He's a fa- he's you know wor- I don't know about a world class but he's a gamer he's this is a big part of his life is playing video games I know there's ways to track this stuff uh, through parental controls and so forth and the way I look at this I was just, I was thinking about my son when he was in middle school and some of the things that we kind of put in place to make sure that he was getting his studying done and it just amazes me that. They put that in there and that Kyler's group agreed to it. Uh, it just seemed really, really strange because I've never seen anything like this before. I don't know that anybody has. I don't know if it's ever been put in writing before. You'd think it would be kind of a handshake agreement or, hey, we're going to give you all this money, but we don't trust you, so we're going to put this in your contract. Is your take any different, Alex? Like, what, what did you think? 
made me think that I wouldn't give that much money to Kyler Murray to begin with if obviously they, they thought so highly of him that he doesn't study, that he doesn't do his homework, that he doesn't put in the extra work, you know, when he leaves the building. That's really bad for a quarterback, Lou, because you know that all the successful quarterbacks, they're the first ones in, the last ones out. They live for this stuff. They live for football. When they leave the office, they still take the material home. You know, the Tom Brady's, the Peyton Manning's, the Aaron Rodgers, they do the extra work. That really worries me, you know, for the Arizona Cardinals organization as a whole. So they realize that Kyler Murray plays video games and does stupid stuff, you know, when he's home. And here they're putting in the provision that he has to study an extra four hours per week. It's unusual. It's weird. I mean, it just tells you that (laughs) Kyler Murray is not the guy that puts in the work. All he was doing was just causing trouble in the offseason himself or through his agent that, hey, pay me or I'm going to I'm going to force my way out. Like, what is this? The Arizona Cardinals don't trust him. It's like a kid. Like you said, it's like a kid forcing him to do his homework at home without watching the TV or without distracting and playing Madden or something like that or video games at home. That's bad, Lou, when you have to put it in writing. When you have to get it in the contract, and Kyler accepted this, and his agent accepted this, so they know it's a problem, I wouldn't want to fork over that much cash knowing that my guy just doesn't put in the extra work for that big-time opponent in the NFC West. It's kind of embarrassing. I mean, the, the, both sides had to know that this this was going to get out, right? I mean, there's no—I mean, it wasn't like they were going to just hide this in the contract and hope nobody would notice, Right. So who benefits from that? Kyler looks like an idiot, right? I mean, okay, he got his money, and oh, so maybe that's what he was thinking. It was like, well, yeah, you can put whatever you want in there. I'm still getting my money. You know, I'll figure out how to how to get this done. But to me, it almost seems like, and there was whisper, not, not even whispers. I mean, almost like shouting from the Cardinals' uh, front office that. They were worried about him as a leader. They were worried about his work habits or lack thereof. Now, we're not saying that when he's at practice, he's not fully engaged. We're not saying that he's not, you know, watching film with it, with, with Cliff and, and, and the rest of the, you know, the quarterback coach and offensive coordinator, you know, everybody. No, this is just, I guess, putting into words that, you know, like you said, you mentioned Brady, Breeze, all these guys. I'm sure when they saw this, their hair started, I mean, whatever hair they have left, you know, is starting to, they're trying to pull out because it wasn't something they had to be told to do, right? It's, it's, it's part of the job with the whispers and everything else. I just think like Bidwell and the family, it was almost like, they were tired of all the BS and trying to be shown up. Uh, we talked about it on the previous show, the manifesto or the demands that Burkhart, the agent, put out in the spring. Like, this is what we have to have. And and they were always, hey, we're going to do this in the summer. You know, don't worry about it. You know, we're going to talk our way through it. And maybe they wanted to see what happened during the, the off-season program. Was he, you know, starting to kind of take heed to some of the pushing about being a leader and, and putting a little bit more work in it? And, and to their credit, they, they went, went ahead and paid him. But again, now they look even more of a laughing stock than they typically have been in the league. 
because it's like, like I said, it's a kid. You don't get to drive the car if you don't do your homework. Or, you know, we're going to take these things away from you. We're going to put you in time out. You know, all these different, you know, metaphors or whatever, simile that you can make about it. It's just embarrassing. Again, it makes the organization look silly. It makes Kyler look even sillier. Now, here's something I wanted to put to you because, again, there's always the other side. Playing devil's advocate here, Kyler was probably one of the top five, if not top three, maybe even the best high school football player ever in the state of Texas. And it's a storied history, you know, unprecedented with how great the, the high school football is in that state. 42-0, three state championships. Didn't go so well at A&M, but he goes to Oklahoma, puts up ridiculous numbers, wins a Heisman, first pick in the draft, Gets his team to the playoffs eventually. Been in Pro Bowls. So in his mind, hey, this is how I play. This is what I do. This works for me. And you go back, uh, I guess, in the wintertime, and he gave an interview. I don't know if it was the New York Times or somebody. And basically saying that his cognitive skills are at a point or that they're so good that he can kind of see things on the field before they happen. And that's how he plays, and it's all instinct and so forth. And he's not a guy that's going to spend hours and hours, you know, studying film and, and doing all this other stuff. He'll do enough, but, you know, I'm not going to go overboard with it because this is who I am. Mahomes plays like that to a degree, but you've never heard these concerns about him. He puts in the time. He does the work. I mean, he works with a personal trainer. He, he's, he's studied under Alex Smith. He, he's constantly in the, but you never hear these things. But just the, the, the way he plays, and it's a lot of feel and going off script. Is this kind of a new wave of quarterback? You know, it's it's not always going to look the way these classic guys have in the past. And my process is a little bit different. So you just have to deal with that. And if you like it, great. If not, then, you know, there's 32 teams. Lou, it doesn't matter how sharp you are. You still need to put in the extra work because this is the NFL. This isn't high school. This isn't sandlot football. You can get away with it. You can be really talented. You can make splash plays, but that doesn't mean it's going to win you a championship. That doesn't mean it's going to win you playoff games. You could be a winner. You could be in the Pro Bowl. You can get your team into the playoffs. But the guys that win, they put in the extra work because the defense is against the top-level defenses in the playoffs, they just, you know, they do crazy stuff. They try to confuse you. You know, those people aren't dumb either. They'll force you into mistakes if you don't have putting in the work. I think this is a signal that the Cardinals are like, Kyler, you need to change your ways. Because if you're not going to change your ways, we're not going to win with you. So it's almost like uh, the Cardinals are like a desperate parent in this situation, trying to raise like a precocious child who is blessed, who has a lot of talents, but he obviously has attention issues if he is distracted by, what, movies, internet, video games. That, that's not who a professional is, Lou. I mean, there's too much money at stake to have fun and not put in the extra work because what the NFL has shown us in the past, guys that do put in the work are the ones that get rewarded and win Super Bowls. And those quarterbacks that are hoisting up that trophy at the end of the day in the beginning of February, those are the ones that are, like, obsessed with this game. Kyler Murray doesn't seem like a guy who's obsessed with it. He's just really good. 
He has a lot of physical talents, and maybe he's more physically talented than than Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees combined. And he doesn't need to put in this extra work. But unfortunately, the way it's going right now, if Kyler doesn't mature, he's not going to win any Super Bowls for the Cardinals. Right. And, you know, I mean, the guys that consistently win and win with longevity are the guys that, you know, eventually they get to the line of scrimmage and they can see exactly what they need to check into what the defense is going to be doing. Sure, you might get fooled occasionally, but guys like Brady and, and Breeze and Manning, especially Manning, and, 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 and I'm sure there's many other guys that kind of fit into that, but the greats of the greats are the ones that know their, the other team's defense inside and out and can make those checks and make the right play. Not always the big splash plays, but get you out of bad plays, and that's what's going to win consistently and in the playoffs where... Yeah, maybe Kyler just loves what football does for him. He can make a lot of money, and they really pushed for this contract, almost feeling like, "Hey, if I keep going, maybe I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna be one of the the highest paid players if I get hurt or something happens." So I don't know where this is gonna go. He's gonna get questioned about this on a regular basis. I mean, throughout the year. You know, I mean, I'm sure, you know, there's going to be, you know, some reporters and I'm sure they'll kind of wink at each other and, and ask him about, you know, hey, did you get your homework in this week or, or uh, you know, after games, if he throws in, you know, a bad interception, oh, geez, you know, was he, did he watch enough film on this team's defense? And it's just going to be a constant thing lingering out there. I don't where's Cliff Kingsbury and all this? I mean, I don't know. When you mentioned about the kid, I can certainly relate to that. And uh, I don't want to call my son out, but. I kind of am at this point. And that kind of something that we went through, you know, here between he and myself. And we didn't have a contract. <laughs> I didn't pay him $100 million, but the idea was certainly the same. Now, it looks like from a guaranteed perspective, the contract really looks like a three-year, $105 million guaranteed. Okay, now the rest of the money, there's all sorts of things behind it and so forth. This clause does control a good piece of that. I think like $100 million they can kind of recall from him if those things aren't met. Do you think he would have taken just the three years 105 without the clause? I don't think so. I think the clause would have still been there, Lou, even if it was a shorter contract. I just think this is about study habits. It's about they have a problem with it. The organization does. The front office, the owners, even the coaches, I'm sure. They've thought about this. They probably realize how silly this sounds, but they probably didn't have a choice because they realize they're giving a buttload of money to a player that's just not responsible enough. And I don't think it would have been any different if it would have been a one-year contract, a three-year contract, or what it is right now. I just They had no choice, and that's why they, they had to include this, realizing how stupid this would look and that this would be discussed on on all you know NFL shows on ESPN, oh, it, the it's, NFL Network, and radio. It's, it certainly has. By the time this you know our episode comes out, you know people will probably be tired of it. But it's going to be going to continue to be talked about, right? 
And it almost seems like both parties had guns to their heads. One, the Cardinals probably felt like we have to sign this guy. We have to give all this money. We don't want to give him all this money, but we it's like they we have to because if we don't, he's going to hold out. It's going to look like we don't believe in him, which now, obviously, you know, it still looks like they don't believe in him, but they still gave him the money. So that's the thing that just is just so nuts. And some organizations get this figured out and some don't. And those that don't typically don't win. And here we are. The Bengals seem to be changing some things up. They're finally building an indoor facility for their team, even though they, they're above the Mason-Dixon line. They, they train a lot in the winter. so And they don't have their own indoor facility, which is ridiculous. But they're building one. The reason I bring it up is, okay, Joe Burrow, you have another family-run team, the Browns, that have been notoriously cheap. And... You know, you've got some superstars on that team, Burrow, Chase, that are going to be looking for big money and deserve, probably, I mean, it's Burrow for sure, deservedly so. What's going to happen there? That should be interesting. I don't think they'll have to put one of those clauses in for Joe. Interested to see, one, the demands. It's going to be top of the market, top of the league. It'll be probably be more than Aaron Rodgers. And two, and we talked about this with Kyler, you guarantee money in these NFL contracts, which is an old rule, but you have to put that money after the first year in an escrow account. So if they guarantee him, like the Browns at this point, 230 million, I think 160 million, Jimmy Haslam has to put into an escrow account just to make sure that they have the money. And I think the genesis of the rule was back when the league wasn't as substantial and the teams didn't make as much money that, you know, guys didn't want to get screwed or stiffed out of of their contract because the team decided, well, we don't have the money. We can't pay it. Whereas now they certainly do have the money. They generate the revenue every year. But that owner still has to, okay, we're going to guarantee $250 million. It's going into an account, and that and it basically sitting there with that dude's name on it, and every year he gets a portion of it. So uh, that's going to be a fascinating one for me is what happens with Burrow and the Bengals. Okay, let's move on. Uh, the Niners, Kyle, finally. I think this is the first time I've, I've heard definitively that this is Trey Lance's team. That, okay, we're moving forward with Trey. I mean, you've heard, you know, whispers. You could kind of, you know, read the tea leaves. Obviously, they gave up so much. He's going to get in there eventually and eventually is now. And Jimmy's going to go away. We just don't know how that's going to happen. But it was really good to get that clarified. And I think that was good for the team. So there's no confusion with the team. Jimmy, I guess, throws on the side at training camp and then he leaves. So he's not even going to be on the field. So he's definitely gone. I don't know what that does to his trade value. Obviously, teams are going to be like, hey, you're going to release him anyway. Why should we give you anything? Some things with the Niners. That's your team, Alex. So have at it. Well, I think it's fairly obvious that Trey Lance has grown by leaps and bounds as the 49ers leader, based on what I've read, uh, based on what has happened in the offseason. I think Shanahan and Lynch feel very comfortable with it. I think they realize in their mind that they made the right choice by selecting him with that number three overall pick, by trading all those picks for him. I mean, they have to commit to Trey Lance because you need to show confidence in your young quarterback. Jimmy G, I mean, let's be honest here. He's an above average regular season quarterback. And you and I talked about this off the air that 
obviously when they traded for him, when they gave away that second round pick to the Patriots, they didn't have any good options at quarterback. And Jimmy G gave them what they needed. But right now they feel like they've tapped out. I mean, let's be honest here. Jimmy G has fallen short in the playoffs. He fell short in that Super Bowl against the Chiefs on that last drive. He has an atrocious record in the playoffs when they're behind, like in the fourth quarter. I mean, his numbers are like extremely bad. Shanahan and Lynch want to win Super Bowls. Obviously, that's the ultimate goal. They want to hold up that trophy in February, and they realize that they can't do it with Jimmy G. So Trey Lance is the guy. You've been asking me forever if Trey Lance is really the guy. Well, now you have your answer. Well, I have personal reasons. Uh, one of my fantasy teams is a bit of a keeper league. We're able to keep several guys, and it, it depends on where they're drafted, and there's this whole thing. But the bottom line is last year I took him late in my draft hoping that he'd be ready to rock and roll for this year. So I'm kind of happy that they finally did make the commitment and that I could say, yes, for sure, I am going to keep him for this season. So I, I have selfish reasons, but I, I do believe he's a, he's a talent, and in that offense he can be pretty special. Fantasy-wise, you saw, I mean, Jalen Hurts, who didn't have very good passing stats, was still a pretty valuable fantasy quarterback last year because what he did with his legs, what he did with scoring touchdowns in the red zone, and just what little passing he did do. So from a fantasy perspective, I'm liking this a lot. From a team perspective, I think he's going to grow into the position. It may look choppy at, at first, but I think eventually he's going to be as good as they thought he was going to be. And again, it may not look perfect with the delivery and everything else. With him, he just needs reps. He hasn't played a full season in forever. I mean, between what happened with the pandemic and then his his last year, they only played one game. and it just He just hasn't played a lot of football so he's just got to keep playing more reps more reps more reps and hopefully they you know throw his arm out at practice you know got, got to split up some reps with with the backups but yeah i'm pretty i'm pretty excited about it we're waving bye-bye to another player a defensive player right yeah d ford a player that has played for your team and then the the chiefs traded him to the 49ers for a second round pick i remember that 2018 campaign i think d ford had he had double-digit sacks that year. I, I know that he did. And the Chiefs advanced to the AFC Championship game. But I think he's going to be... Remember for that penalty, that offside Do I penalty remember it? That sparked the comeback <laughs> do victory I, by do the I rem do, do I remember, remember it? it? It's like tattooed on my brain. I mean, they made they intercepted the ball. I mean, the game was over. They were going to the Super Bowl. And yeah, obviously, D Ford, offside. D Ford gave him that Not victory. a quick jump. Not you a know, quick jump like he was trying to get to Brady and whatever. It was he lined up offside. That's brutal. <laughs> and, you know, at the time... As a Chiefs fan, I'm sure you were questioning because Ford was selected, I think, with the 23rd overall he was pick. First round, yeah. And all the Chiefs got in return was a second round pick. So I'm sure a lot of people questioned Absolutely. that. In the first season with the 49ers, he had like six and a half sacks. But then back problems. They limited him that season. They've plagued them ever since. He just hasn't been able to shake off that rust, that injury bug. And it seems like, I mean, I would say D Ford's career is over because he had that one good year with the Chiefs, and that's about it. Even when he had that promising six and a half sacks with the 49ers in his first season, that was as a backup. He was still a backup to like Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead. They were the ones that were playing ends on the year, and D Ford was kind of that 
third down specialist out there. It was a very disappointing trade. It turned out to be a very disappointing trade for the 49ers because Ford just didn't give him much. Again, depending on his health and if he can pass a physical somewhere, yeah, I would imagine te- teams are always looking for pass rushers. Guys are always going to get, you know, chance after chance after chance. And just ironically, the Chiefs signed Carlos Dunlap today because they don't have a lot of depth from the edge rush capabilities. Uh, Melvin Ingram didn't want the contract they offered him. So, you know, Carlos Dunlap getting another shot uh, was with uh, Seattle last. Uh, I don't know how effective he's going to be, but they're desperate. So you're going to you may see D Ford if he can pass a physical, which I don't know that he hasn't. He's going to get a shot somewhere. Trust me, if he's healthy, they'll give him a shot. I don't know how healthy he'll stay or for how long, but he's going to get a shot. I believe teams are always desperate for edge yeah. rushers for pass rush specialists. So. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. Somebody's going to give him a shot there at the end of training camp because, hey, some players might go down, and I'm sure he's going to catch on somewhere. But it won't be with the 49ers or the Chiefs. Probably not. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't think. Julio to the Bucks. Surprise, surprise. Brady gets another weapon. Uh, how much is he going to get from Julio? Is Julio going to be rejuvenated? Now he's like the third or fourth receiver on a team, which is just mind-boggling if you can you know, remember him in his heyday. He's not that old, okay? So can he do for the Bucks maybe what A.B. did for the Bucks that first year during the, the Super Bowl run? That, I think, is probably what they're looking for. Is, is This is a big if pickup. If he's healthy, if he's like motivated to play, which of course he's going to be. I mean, this is going to be probably his best chance to win a Super Bowl outside of that aforementioned uh, Falcons meltdown. Is this an insurance thing? Is it just Brady saying, hey, you know, this guy's another weapon. Bring him in. Brady's running the show, right? Well, Brady is running the show, but, you know, Gronkowski isn't coming back. Godwin is coming off a serious injury. It's going to take him a couple of months before he gets back into it. So this is an insurance policy. Julio Jones is going to be that second, third option before Godwin comes back. And then, you know, probably maybe he'll have something left for that playoff push because he's been there before. I think it's a good pickup. I mean, Julio has been in big games. He's played in this uh, division uh, against the Bucks. I mean, he knows these teams really, really well. And I think it's a good pickup because they're not expecting Julio to be the number one target. I mean, they've got Mike Evans. They've got Godwin, who's going to come back from injury. Julio's going to get a lot of one-on-ones there, and I think he's going to be he's going to be a huge target for Tom Brady, especially in the red zone. Yeah, they got plenty of people to throw the ball to, but again, this is just hey, a luxury pickup. Works out great. If it doesn't, they're probably not making a huge investment here, and they get uh, you know a seasoned veteran that could potentially you know be a big time performer is julio lou is julio jones a hall of famer you know that's a tough one i mean you'd like to think so but again the wide receiver again you get into the politics of the hall of fame is that it seemed like that's where the biggest log jam seems to be all the time in the hall of fame voting is at the wide receiver position and I think he, he gets in eventually, even if he doesn't like have a great end of his career. He was so dominant in his time slot for a short period of time. But some of these short timers are getting in too. I mean, Calvin Johnson and so forth. I think he gets in. Yeah, I believe he's going to get in. Julio Jones, 879 receptions, 
13,330 yards, 81 touchdowns. There was a period, 2012 to 2019, where I would say Julio Jones was a top three wide receiver in this league, and his numbers basically speak for that Mm. because there was only one injury-plagued season, but he just... He dominated with his numbers. It looks like he had over 80-plus receptions per season and over, like, you know, 1,400 yards. So I think there's a case for him. You know, with the Bucks, he's still going to get, like, 50 or 60 receptions if he stays healthy, and I'm sure he'll score a few more touchdowns. So I agree with you. I think with wide receivers, it always takes them a long time to get in, but I think eventually, maybe in, like, 20 years, Julio gets All right, in. Julio. So speaking of the Bucks, I mean, obviously this offseason they had uh, Ali Marpet uh, retire. They lost Kappa. They brought in uh, Ryan Jensen a few years ago, and unfortunately, I, I saw a note. I think today he got carted off the field, which you know it, it just sucks. Especially, you know, it was probably like the second practice. Uh, apparently, he's, you know, threw his helmet. It, it doesn't look good. It, it is a left knee injury. They don't know how bad it is at this point, so hopefully, it isn't. And he does have the opportunity to play this season. But if it goes the other way and he isn't able to play this year, again, another another loss for the Bucks. I mean, they got plenty of weapons. They just that offensive line got to be their number one priority if you got a 45 year old quarterback. So that is going to do it for us this time, gang. Thank you for listening. We know there's a lot of options out there. As always, go ahead and take a look at the subscribe button, not to uh, miss any episodes coming up. But uh, for my friend Alex, I am Lou. Until next time, peace.